Support for SyncBook Radio comes from listeners like you. Consider helping to make independent productions like SyncBook Radio possible by becoming a donor. Your generous gift helps to keep these unique voices broadcasting and exploring. Details about how you can help can be found at thesyncbook.com slash donate. Thanks. So what are you up to tonight? We're going to this party tonight, this warehouse thing. Some sort of rave thing. Is this going to be cool? People observe their own unconscious tendencies in other people. This is called a projection. Political agitation in all countries is full of such User manual number 46417.00010. Basic guide for user interface. A properly designed radionic or psychotronic instrument broadcasts a non-Hertzian signal rather than delivering current through electrodes. We believe in an open-minded investigation of anything that works, regardless of its origin or conventionality. Apparently so do you. Hello and good evening. I am William Morgan and you are listening to 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and TheSyncBook.com. It's a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending us a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. Today is the 15th day of July. This is episode number 145. Tonight, we ask that you open your ionosphere and go with it. Indeed. Good evening, I'm Douglas Bowles, and tonight we are spending 42 minutes under the dome. We do so with Michael Allen, artist, projectionist, and creative editor. Since 1995, Michael has been creating projected environments for bands, art galleries, and clubs from coast to coast. He uses 16mm projectors, slides, video projectors, mixers, and VJ software, as well as custom screens and found footage from his massive collection of content to build and manipulate visual installations that tantalize the eyes as well as the mind. He has toured extensively, sometimes with the likes of the Polyphonic Spree, Bowling for Soup, Tripping Daisy, and Diggable Planets. Other projects include a novel in 2007, residencies at popular Hollywood nightclubs, touring and performing at some of the biggest art and music festivals in the world, as well as developing the Ionosphere, an interactive art piece connecting the viewer's internal world with their external reality by projecting it outward with music and visuals. He was a wonderful guest on Always Record number 74, and we are happy to be hosting him for the first time today. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure to have you, Michael. Hey, thanks for the wonderful intro. You bet. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. And how are you today? I'm great. I love being here. It's cool uh, talking to you guys instead of just hearing it. Now it's I get the interactive side. I can I'm listening to it on the same radio that I listen to it all the time. Awesome. And I'm talking back to you. <laughs> are you guys getting hit with this this heat that a lot of us are getting hit with? Are you, is it hot down there? Um, well, not really. We don't get many weather changes here in Los Angeles. It's kind of the same old dry, not too hot, not cool weather. You know, it's summertime, it feels, feels summery out there, but I'm here from Texas, and so I'm used to much more heat than we ever get up here. All right, yeah. And then is, is summer a big, a, a big busy season for you normally? As, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, as a projectionist, now it's busy time, and a lot of time it slows down. To, you know, as it gets into winter time, then um, there aren't nearly as many gigs, and I always just kind of rely, knowing you know, once June, July happens, then you're going to be busy, so it'll be all right. And here we are, busy time. It's working. <laughs> now you've toured with with bands where you're bringing your installation with them from place to place. Is that, is that normal for you, or do you, are you finding that you settle into a club and just do installations for who, whoever is playing that night? How does how does that whole okay. world work? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Then we're going to talk about synchronicity. <laughs> we're going to talk about sync. I've heard you guys talk to a lot of bands, and a lot of bands don't talk that much about the sync, and that's what we're here for. And I can't wait to talk about it. But regarding the setup and what I do is. There are different types of jobs. Sometimes I'll set it up with a band where we're doing a specific show and we put together the show, you know, as an outline and go out and do that same show every night. There are other times that I'm doing it with DJs where I do extended sets where I'm just going through my collection and trying to match. Sometimes I've never even heard what they're going to play and they don't know what I'm going to play, but I have the job in the venue so that I just do my best to keep up with them and I guess that I do it right because I haven't lost that job yet. And for, regarding some of the installations that I do, like the Ionosphere, or I saw you posted with the Mind MIDI earlier, these are kind of art pieces that I'll take to galleries. I do a lot of stuff with television exhibits and and uh, multimedia, like mapped video projection displays and things like that. You, so far, those have been for galleries. I can't wait to do a big show like that to take on the road and. I've done some multimedia projects that are a little more extensive than just video mixing, but uh, when we talk about the installations, then I haven't really taken that out on the road. I take it to Burning Man. Burning Man. Burning Man, coming it, right up. It is. It's making it so I can't go to your sync summit, man, and it's a real bummer because listening to you guys over the past few years, I was, or over the past year, I was listening to it when you did your last sync summit. And feeling so jealous and envious for not being able to be there and thinking in my head, no matter what, when they do this again, I can't miss it. And it just fell in the wrong month, man. I was already booked and I can't take, I can't go out of town for the whole month. Right. <laughs> I'm doing Burning so Man for two weeks though. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on a short story right now that happens in the Nevada desert. And so inevitably I have to do some research about Burning Man. It's just so interesting. I I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I recommend it to anybody. It's, changes, it's a different experience for everybody who goes out there. It changes every year because of just the nature of it. It's getting so big. You know, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to talk about it like, oh, no, it's getting ruined because it's so popular. It just, it changes. And the, the thing out there is... Um, it's special. We live, we live in a part of the world where we have access to it. There are people that come from all over the world to go out there and experience that thing that we're close enough to so that if you have the motivation to do it, then it can just be like another vacation. And that vacation is something that you don't have access to any time except for that one week of the year that they do it. And who knows how long that's going to last. You know, Eventually, they're going to stop doing this and there will be something else to go and do that takes its place. But it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not really into the Grateful Dead, but it would have been really cool to get a chance to go to some dead shows, and now it's gone. Yeah. Well, now we can go to Burning Man shows, and one of these days they'll be gone too, so I want to take advantage of it while it lasts. I'm 
how does it work though? Because like how many how many thousands of people are there, and what is generating power? Where is all this? You know, <laughs> where is the food coming from? Where are the bathrooms? How does it work? We bring our own food. We bring our own um, drinks and stuff. But the thing that makes this work is right now I'm I'm on board with a camp that's going to be over a hundred people. And all of these hundred people that are part of this camp have been asked to pay a $50 due to be a part of our encampment. And then those, that $5,000 is going to be spent towards giving back to that community out there because we're going to spend it on the truck to get us out there and on the alcohol that's going to be given out for free as a part of our camp. And there are thousands of camps doing that. So you got like 60,000 people out there and there are thousands of them that are parts of these camps that are collaborative efforts like that where you have even more than 100 people you got 200 300 people chipping in towards the camp and then they just give it all back you spend it on the gas you spend it on your structures you spend it on your transportation and it gets everybody out there but then once you're there then you're able to hand it out for free and so you got a week of that where there are people that hand it out until they run out and then you go to the next space where it's being handed out and that's what's going on all week where you just get rid of your money when you get there, and so it's not there. commerce that happens out there. There's no not like stands where little shops no. and stuff. It's just none at all. It's looked down on. So if you were out there and you tried to sell anything, then the people that walked up to you would feel like you. They would make you feel like you were in the wrong place. There are no sponsorships nowadays. Those people are working their way into it, but they got to do it in, in like in shady ways where you got American Spirit sending people out there to camp and hand out cigarettes but they're not signing up with anybody. They're just doing it completely renegade because they're getting into this place where there are thousands of people at for their chance to advertise. Right. But the organization doesn't hire anybody to do anything like that. And um, that's what makes it so special. That's changing because with the amount of people out there, then a lot of people just don't get that. And so when I started going 10 or so years ago, the it was way less people. There was like 20,000 people there. And a big percentage of those people had been there over and over before so that they came out there expecting to operate like that where everything's free and you turn off the phone and you disconnect from reality for a few days and that's what it is that that compel that makes it seem like it's worth anything for me to get out there so even though I'm going to spend four hundred dollars on a ticket I got to deal with getting my own ice and my own water and all the stuff that I'm gonna have to carry with me it's worth it because where else do I have a chance to have an experience like that well how hot does it get like and then what is the day like? Because it's it is the it's the Black Rock Desert. Is it totally flat? It's you're in the middle of a big lake lake bed and you're surrounded by a mountain range. So all the way around you, you see big mountains off in the distance, and it's totally flat where they throw it. The playa that they throw it on is just a big open desert wasteland. And um, sometimes it's super hot. Sometimes it's super cold during the night, and you can't predict it. So they can't tell you in advance this is going to be a hard year or this is going to be a good year because the weather changes in that environment. The way that it is there in that desert, you can have a storm that brews up out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're dealing with something like rain in the middle of the desert when you have generators run and cables and all of that stuff. But somehow we keep on doing it. You cover everything up and, and batten it down whenever it goes crazy because – it's really regular for there to be big dust storms where all of a sudden you can't see two feet in front of your face and um, you're dealing with the elements for real. But then whenever that blows away, it's like you were just now partying on another planet. 
<laughs> and so as you deal with these sort of obstacles and as you learn to live with it, then it becomes something that is spectacular. It's like now the world is the art piece. You go out there and you see everyone making all of their massive, awesome electronic art pieces and their amazing, wonderful ways of using solar energy and producing these mass, like some of the sound installations out there, you hear what they're doing with bass music and it's like, this has gone out of the realm of music into this weird abstract art form that you're doing because you're just vibrating my whole body from top to bottom and I can barely handle it. And um, the people that pull that together, like, it's awesome. And then, But then what I was leading up to is that then you look around, you see the dust devils happening, you see the amazing natural spectacle that's going on out there and it really feels like you're standing in the universe's art piece. It looks like God's, God will throw his art piece in there and show you how, what happens. Like, for instance, when they burn yeah, the man. Like, you, like, you can do this, but try doing a dust devil. Yeah, check thing. this out. <laughs> because, I mean, when they burn the man down, the way that the, the atmosphere is, it makes those dust devils come out of the fire. So you got thousands of people around this big, massive bonfire. And because of the way that it's cold on the ground and hot in the fire, and it's so extremely hot in the fire, then all of a sudden you have these big dust devils that just come spinning out of it and you're standing there watching these tornadoes that are being generated by this big fire and um it it gives you chills man you have to be completely out of it not to be moved by the experience so what does this got to do with sync well how do we get the sync book to the burning man we need a sync summit at burning man (laughs) Uh, i'll be out there i know that dvd platypus goes out there too sometimes yeah they i mean we're out there and there's out there, what that has to do with sync is that the people are so open-minded that we deal with as sync heads. You got to deal with that thing where you got your friends that you can talk to over and over about it. And you got your friends that are bored of hearing about it. And um, out there, people are just kind of down for whatever you got going on so you can really test the bounds of that kind of belief of this thing that we do by tuning our brains and talking about synchronicity you go out there and you're surrounded by people that are on that on a similar wavelength and um then things get real <laughs> things that are unreal become real from my perspective at least i've done some experiments out there one time i took the uh ionosphere video helmet and i did this thing where we were um everyone that would come up and put their head in it i was playing like six hours a six hour videotape it was all on vhs at that time and i had this six hour video that was footage that I had collected with my TiVo where every time on TV, if I saw something that belonged on the tape, then I'd record it on a tape and then I edited that down so that whether it was a stupid commercial that caught my attention or a weird scene in a movie, it was all stuff that was like under three or four minutes. I cut it together where it's all six hours worth of four minute clips and then I put the person's head in the ball and while they're waiting in line for their turn, I tell them, okay, we got to get you in tune with the machine. We're going to harmonize your brain with the machine. And if we can do it right, then you're going to see something in your experience that you relate to. And that thing is just a drop in the bucket. You're going to see your two to five minutes of a six hour tape. And there's no setting this tape up. We can't determine what's going to happen when you get your head in there. But we're trying to make it so that we can interpret your experience like it was a dream. And so if you get something that's meaningful, then let's talk about it when you come out of there. And let's Let's analyze it like you would analyze a dream and we're going to analyze this like it's going on in your head instead of just being something that's playing on a videotape that we hit play on four hours ago and you're randomly putting your head into. Well, 
with people being in the state of mind that they're in out there in the desert, not just being high or anything like that, but people get out there and you're having a time of your life and you really open up so that you'll see this thing that happens where as a result of talking to them about that, I, I think that if you were to scientifically go into it and get this, the, the statistics and you were to go in and analyze the experience that I was having, then you could see the waves of synchronicity. You could see it where we convinced people that something was happening with them and whether it was just a coincidence or not that they had their experience that they related to, you would see that pass on to the next person and the next person. So we would start like a, a chain reaction. And this was something that I experienced. There was this whole year that I was doing that. So I did it for hours, standing around and talking to people, let them go through the line. And I had some really amazing experiences with those people out there talking about um, this, this uh, I don't know, this concept that really is just science fiction. So the concept of harmonizing yourself with the machine wasn't something that I was trying to say as any real scientific, you know, truth. But... I was trying to act like I was wearing a lab coat and acting like that was something that's very <laughs> real. And some I watched people get in there and have their mind completely blown. And um, well, it's set and setting, man. You kind of like yeah. led them to. You almost, it's almost like a suggestion. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, oh, maybe this really. You get them into that spot where they can understand it. But it's the I, same thing we do. That's like what synchromystics do. They just interpret movies like they were dreams. There's mm-hmm. What you're saying is like making my head go aflame. I can feel my hair growing. <laughs> That's awesome. It, well, it's to me, it is kind of it's a it's a principle that we we deal with a lot, but it's it's kind of unseen. You know, there's not a language for it. There and there are ways to disprove it. There are some people that aren't living in that same reality. You know, so they'll come along and they will contradict what you're trying to say as truth and prove to you that it's not truth. But then you can do the same thing to them. So you can, but then they don't pay attention to you because you're the crazy one. <laughs> I think Victoria Nelson called it the way she – well, she wrote about it in one of her books. But she called it the pathetic fallacy where there was a, all of a sudden the line between her inner world and her outer world blurred and they became one. And it seems like you're kind of inducing people into that somehow where – I, you know who knows what what it is how it happens but somehow they get totally in sync with the two to four minutes that you prepared for them well it's the it's same, same concept the as card word. right the same way that like the I Ching works it's like with right. that guy what's his name Hollis we interviewed that dude and what he said it's like you know w- whatever happens now you take as relevant yep that's where it's at it's the way that it occurred to me was years ago I didn't believe in tarot or any sort of a mystical there was nothing like that that I had any I didn't even I had no faith in it whatsoever and this tarot card reader comes and sits down with me at a table at a coffee shop and she reads my cards and really breaks down what was going on with me at that time and tells me about the next two years of my life and as I'm living those two years and watching the stuff that she predicted happen, then I'm forced to ask myself, was she telling the future? Did she somehow see my future? And I couldn't buy that. There's no, there's no part of me that could believe that there's somebody that's got some sort of a power to see the future. But what I could buy was that I can make any future happen for myself. So the way that I made sense of that for myself was that she touched the right part of me 
in order for me to somehow carry myself through the right positions. And, you know, it goes back then, I would say that my mind was analyzing it and somehow putting me in the right places so that I have the right experiences in order to, to affirm these beliefs that I had. But since then, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that it's not even like that because it goes out of, it loses the concept of time. And so it's not a matter of analyzing it and putting you in the right place because it's able to step out of being able to put you in the right place and it's able to make it any place the right place. And somehow I think that that's what makes, whenever I had that experience, I, I was already really wrapped up. I was doing visuals with bands and I would sit and watch my 16 millimeter films play and it would be like, I would just cut together these reels that are 10, 15 minute reel of film and let them play while the band plays their music. And I felt like I was doing my job right when the coincidence lined up. So it was stuff that I couldn't really put in order and I couldn't plan out. I would let it happen. And when it happened right, then that meant that there was something happening there. And I was looking at all of art and trying to figure out where that happens in music and where that happens with anything with dance or anything. And I like came to terms with the fact, well, I saw the Wizard of Oz and the Dark Side of the Moon and thought when when was that when when did you first that experience was like probably 1997 or 98 i hear you so whenever i that was whenever they were i saw it around the time when it was getting all of its publicity through mtv so mtv news did a report on it back at that time and whenever i heard them talking about it then i happened to be in austin texas with a community access channel that was playing it over and over and we were uh, watching it and I was thinking, okay, maybe there's something to this because I'm seeing that these people recorded this thing that's so uncanny to me that it's it's evidence that there's something more to it to me. And other people can't see that and I understand that. But for me, I was like, this right here is undeniable evidence. And then I'm talking to my friends at that time who were in that band, Trip and Daisy. I'm sitting at their house and these guys, you know, these are all open-minded people. <laughs> these are people that are that are really like, they're as open as me or anybody else, but they're looking at me like I'm kind of out of it, you know, like I'm, I got my issues. Did you see Room 237? Yeah. Because yeah. the end of that, the shining forwards and back, that just seemed mm -hmm. so, like, I don't... Out there? Not it's, out there, no, it just, it's it says, look, it's all connected, it totally makes sense. Oh, you're saying it's the mm -hmm. opposite. But the, 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 the thing is, is the thought process to come up with something so nutball is out there i mean that's like the whole thing of i don't i i haven't pinpointed where the whole dark side of the moon thing came from like i understand i don't know where it came from like i don't know who spontaneously came up with it there's no name attached to that no it's completely anonymous isn't that beautiful because it affected it so is. many yeah Look it's at like the people it's that, that we've heard that you've talked to and the people that have been on both on any of these sync broadcasts or in the sync book, a lot of people were really moved by just that one experience, and then it becomes an obsession. So for me, after then and since then, for the past twenty years, I've been like obsessed with the concept of sync because I feel like through seeing that it proved something to me. It proved that there's a misunderstanding somewhere, and I'm trying to. I can't say that I'm trying to figure it out because I don't claim to know any more than I knew then, you know, but I've seen a lot of experiences that have made it all more real to me and you're convinced that kicked it off. That kicked it off for sure. 
but now, so so many of us, when we found each other in the earlier earlier portion of this development, we all <laughs> stop. Well, we shared a common language, even though we didn't. I mean, like we developed our terminology as we went. We all it was common to us. We didn't have to explain things to one another. Did you, when you found this community, did you have the same experience? I'm, I, I'm having it right now. We're having this conversation. And for me, anytime that we can talk openly about it, for me, it's like tuning an instrument. You know, I read a lot of books about this stuff and I feed that fascination because to me, it's making my life a little more amusing, a little more like by, by whether I am just going way out into science fiction in my head and doing what schizophrenics do or I'm on to something and maybe Carl Jung was trying to teach us something and all of us are a little head with that. One way or the other, I it amuses me and I enjoy it and so I keep following it and yet most of my friends, I they're tired of it. They don't want to, if I were to, I, you know, like I, I can't talk to them about it because they look at it like they got it all figured out and it's all just coincidence and that's just how they are, you know. That's just how they see it. And so they look at it like even stuff, you know, I live my life in this way where I've attributed a lot of stuff to this, the synchronicity based on the way that I um, believe on my own personal outlook. So I'll take it so far as to be like I keep myself healthy by knowing that I'm going to be healthy. And it's working for me, man. And so I see these other people that struggle placebo, with that. Placebo, placebo. Placebo to the point of like, now I'm living this mind over matter reality where I'm 40 years old over here and feeling healthier than I did when I was 20 just because I realized I was making myself sick when I was 20 because I didn't realize I was making myself sick. Yay, <laughs> so yay. I was making myself sick with my beliefs and just didn't know it. And I was living yay, it. Yay, But we do. All right. So <laughs> then you're a synchromistic. All right. What are you seeing? <laughs> what, what's, what's, in the, what's in the stream right now? What are you seeing? Tell us the flows. Well, I... It's all personal to all of us, so I don't pay attention quite the same as all this other synchromystics. I love it. I watch it. I watch what people talk about and um, enjoy it because I am like like looking at an art piece, kind of you know. Not so much that I'm able to uh, I don't know tell anything special about my reality through. I, I look at it more like it's an art piece, you know. So maybe that art piece has something to offer, and maybe it doesn't because it's just. It's in the moment there, and it's in my own observation from it. On a personal level, what have you been popping off on? Yeah, do you do animal syncs, number syncs, actors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the big, I mean, recently I've had a huge one, and I'll try to express this stuff quickly to you guys, but, dude, there's this movie called The Institute. Have y'all seen it? I no. started watching it because you said it was... <laughs> it blew me away. Right. I it. Me personally. And... The reason I loved it so much was because it reminded me of this project that I've been working on with this book where all that stuff that you read at the beginning was my attempt at putting out a science fiction concept in a art project and having somebody look at it somewhere and be and wonder if I was for real. So I would love it if people would look at this project and think that there's some fanatic out in the world somewhere who is... Um, somehow tapping into something that's making making it where maybe they can broadcast their thoughts and this is really happening out there there's some guy that's broadcasting his thoughts but he's spreading his word like a uh, almost the same way that those um religious fanatics do where they just like they have their their weird 
collage of, of, uh, of religious literature that they're passing out on the street and they're so obsessed with it and so into it that they're preaching it like everyone should know the end is near and yet we all walk past them and just kind of snicker at them and they're just these people. Well, I wanted to make something that I knew was science fiction and try to push it as truth. And um, these people made a movie talking about that type of art form. So the people that made The Institute we're talking about a project that's very similar in so many ways to the project that I had been working on for like 10 years so that it blew my mind. I was watching it over and over and saying, these guys are great because I think we were inspired by the same thing. Like their inspiration, you can tell that they're somehow they're tied in, affiliated with this thing called the Church of the Subgenius. Have you guys heard of them? Yeah, I no, got oh, I need more slack. Yeah, give yeah. me some more slack on oh. me. Praise Bob, like the Church of the Subgenius yeah, is a Bob. fake church. It's it's a fake church that that's hilarious. Like they're doing this crazy weird. No, but there's like truth hidden in it. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's like, they're talking slack, and their slack is pushing around the <laughs> of the universe, you know. And so when you listen to it, they're like talking about the force, and they're they got their Messiah that's the pipe wielding master of everything named Bob, and it's just this really weird piece. And I love it for its weirdness. And it inspired me with my book. And so then I'm watching this movie, The Institute, and I'm like, wow, apparently they're either inspired by the same place and we we both went in the same direction with our inspiration or they're a part of it maybe. And I'm over here in my world and maybe they were a part of the other Church of the Subgenius stuff and now they're doing another project that's The Institute. One way or the other, it felt like it was coming from a similar place and it had me real fascinated. So... One day I'm watching it, probably the third time I had watched the show, and in the show they they send these people who take a phone number off of a flyer on a, on a phone pole. The, if you follow their path from this phone number, you call the number, then you get an answering machine that sends you to a, a building, and if you go to the building, then the person in the building sends you up to this TV, this room that has a TV in it, and the TV comes on, there's nobody else in the room, and it's showing this footage and right away, I started, um, I'm recognizing this footage. So I'm looking at the show and this, the whole movie, in the end, you don't know it as it goes forward. But the whole thing is kind of, it's playing with this concept of the spectator being the art. You watch it and at first you feel like this is a real documentary. And then all of a sudden, the documentary has the people that made the art project explaining how they raised the funds in order to get the people to work in the building where the TV's at and then you're watching that and it feels like some sort of weird Kickstarter campaign or something. And then you can't tell if they're actors or not. And if the people that they're interviewing are actors or not. And then all of a sudden you're doing what the people in the movie are doing, falling for the thing that was just an art piece. And you're looking at it like it's real when it's not. Well, while I'm doing that, I see this clip that I recognize. And being a video DJ, I, I mix with a whole lot of content. And I recognize it when other people use stock footage all the time. It's not, it's nothing weird for me. It didn't even consider it a sync whenever I see something on a screen that I recognize for something else and it's being used for by somebody else. Cause we're just pulling from the worldwide database of imagery. Well, this particular clip was this footage from a guy named Jordan Belson, who was an animator in the sixties. And he made these really cool animations that are, you know, really old school, but it's great ambient stuff. Looks kind of cloudy. It's real ambient looking animated, surreal looking images like just colors and patterns that float around the screen and I, I pick it out right away I'm like oh that's that Belson stuff cool they use that 
Well, then How do you spell his last name? How do you spell Belson, his last name? P-E-L-S-O-N. Jordan S-O-N. Belson. Okay. Awesome old video artist or film uh, visual musician. And so I see the Belson clip. It's the first clip in their presentation that they're making on the TV. And then right after that comes these clouds that I recognize from the movie Nakoikatsi, which is the third of the Kayan Scotty trilogy. Okay. And so there's the Gottfried Reggio Nakoikatsi and it's got this scene where there's a bunch of clouds going past a, a building that's all a reflective surface and all the clouds are flat, floating past it. Well, I recognize both scenes. I see the, the Belson scene and then I see the scene with the clouds on the building and I recognize both clips and still not that big of a deal. You know, I see foot, footage all the time that I recognize. So it's like, okay, that's really great. That Coincidentally, the first two clips in their montage were stuff that I work with all the time. Well, then that night I'm at my job and I am showing projections on 60 feet worth of video screens that are wrapped around a big club and I spot the Belson footage and I'm like oh yeah there's that Belson stuff I remember that from the show I was watching today that's kick-ass there's the Belson and um it happened tonight I just happened to pull it up tonight and that's real cool that looks just like the scene that they were showing then and then it floats into the Nakakatsi footage so this is yeah this is a, a movie this is my mix so the only place that I would have got this mix from is me recording me going through content. Now, I, I can't say whether they pulled it off the internet and I had posted something with it. I have been known to make DVDs and tapes and give them out and leave them around. There was a period a while back where I was just like randomly leaving tapes around Hollywood, like a tagger would draw pictures, but I was putting videotapes everywhere. That could have very well had this this mix on it because all this was was a premix that I had made and I was just mixing with something I'd already worked with. They could have also just pulled from the same footage and coincidentally they mixed the same two movies at, at parts that were the same two parts together. All of it seems uncanny. So either way that you want to analyze it, I know that I saw my footage and I know that they had their footage up there and it's awesome because I just attribute it to sync. I don't really... Think of it like my mind doesn't go to a place where I'm trying to analyze where they got the footage that I mixed from. But it's impossible. I mean, like the the almost like especially for personal syncs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you can try to anecdotally tell someone, but they don't get it because it's like something where you had to be there. Where you're like, no, you don't understand. This is impossible. No way this is possible. Yep, that's how I feel. And. Well, back to the Wizard of Oz thing, you know, I don't know if you guys have checked out my Wizard of Oz and the uh, wall, but the way that that came into being was I'm sitting with my friends and we're watching the Wizard of Oz with the dark side of the moon. And I'm saying, I think I got this figured out. And real quickly, my philosophy or my theory behind it would be that the same way that um, people, whenever they let whenever they let loose and that part takes over that's able to put together reality beyond the bounds of time, that part that's able to make what you believe as reality into what you're experiencing. I think that people use that a lot when they pray. They use it whenever they find their different belief systems, people that believe in astronomy, you know, people that there are all sorts of ways that people steer that around. And then I was saying as an artist, maybe I'm using that same hand in it that you use. So whenever you're praying, you're letting that part take over and you don't know it and you don't know how it's doing it, but it's able to make something happen based on your belief that it will happen, on your faith in it. And then maybe I was saying maybe the person who was recording the dark side of the moon 
and the wall or the Wizard of Oz, maybe they were in the right zone with it, but they were able to hit record. So I'm like, if Carl Jung had a recorder, then I bet you he would have showed us all sorts of really interesting coincidence that he watched happen. But he's not recording it the way that we can record it with our multimedia and mix it all together. So then my friends are saying, well, you know, like I say, they're, they're not really buying it. And I, t I say, okay, in order to prove this, I'm going to go to Blockbuster Video on my way home. I'm going to pick up a copy of The Wall. And I'm going to pick up a copy of The Wizard of Oz. And I'm going to play the audio track from The Wizard of Oz on top of the movie The Wall and see what happens. And if I get anything out of it, then to me, that's proof. And to me, what I got out of it was way more than I expected. Do you know what so the difference between Kronos and Kairos is? No. I don't so, know what Kairos is. Kronos is clock time. Kairos is holy time. And or man time. It's like timing. But, but so, one, it, one is like time, linear time. The other right. one is timing, like when you would tell a joke. Like you have to have the right timing. You can't I think just of Kairos as like the holy moment, though. So it's timeless. Right. Same thing. Perfect but so the, the thing that I found uncanny and that the, I would want the scientists to study is when you were having the conversation with Alan and David and you're talking about – and each of you have done something with the Withers or Waz. There were these key moments that all resonated in all the different versions. Like you could, yeah. you, you could have a conversation about this moment and what it meant with this mm -hmm. soundtrack, with this soundtrack, or with this soundtrack. And it's all the same – it's it's all the same moment. That's awesome, and that's the time that it could be. That's what somebody else. I remember years ago, whenever I was first, because whenever I made the recording, I was showing it to everyone. I was like dedicated, where I was, I was trying to spread the word, man. And I would have conversations with <laughs> about what this could mean and where this is coming from. And I remember a particularly talented friend of mine trying to say that there was like a time archetype. And maybe the timing that was used in the Wizard of Oz somehow was in with the timing that was used during the making of the Dark Side of the Moon and during the hero's the journey. Like this is yeah, exactly. This is the and it and that's why these things fluctuate together because they just happen to fall out that way because that's what makes it a good piece. Right, the same Stones, narrative structure. Tones. <laughs> right. I I think that it. I mean, like I say. I don't know much. I, I feel like there is a hand that I had in it, you know, like I was manipulating it. Maybe maybe I was being manipulated to think that I was manipulating it, you know. <laughs> maybe the election goes back even further where it's like, no, you're not manipulating anything because you're just playing your part in it and that's all you are is a part in it. But it, to me, it was all together and captured on tape so that whenever I could play it and I say, okay, there the hammers are. And there the soldiers are during the same time that the hammers are marching. Now, to me, that's just, that's it. They, they could have happened anywhere else in the movie and it happened together. And the odds would be really weird if you were to break it down out of this whole movie. There was only a couple of times that people were marching and there was only a couple of times, on, or both of them, that they're marching and they went together. So that, to me, was verifiable evidence. But then I could present it to someone else and they would totally look at it with glassed over eyes and be like... It doesn't mean anything to me. It's hammers marching down the street. The other soldiers are marching on the other movie, and that's oh, it. Oh, I get it. You're talking about the hammer march and the they have yeah. at the same oh, time. Oh, that's oh, oh, oh the, the like those. Part. Oh, I the, get it. Which is guards? 
what do you make of sync films? You've got such a palette of video in your in your brain. I wonder, have you ever thought about making a, what we call a sync video? Have you ever used sync footage from some YouTube video in one of your presentations? I, whenever I first discovered Labyrinth of the Psychonaut, I was like, <laughs> "This is awesome," and this is like, "This is all full of crazy footage that would be amazing." But it was all kind of a low res because I'm downloading it all from YouTube and it, so I wasn't able to use it. I remember downloading I got it for my own personal collection, but I never ended up getting to use it. And yes, I've definitely thought about making something new just because of the because um, this has been pretty cool running into this network of people. I remember picking up the first sync book. The way I discovered the sync book is because I read Synchronicity by um, Kirby Surprise. Have you all read that? Kirby no, Surprise is one of the authors in the Sync book. Sync book two, yeah. Sync book two. He's yeah. in it, but then he made a book called Synchronicity, and I found that at Barnes and Noble one day, before I discovered the Sync books, and it blew my mind. I, that was another one of those things that was like I'm telling everyone about it because this guy's coming at it from a like a psychoanalytical perspective, and he's talking about these far out magical concepts like it's science, and uh, it was really impressive to me. And then. Since I was being so blown away by that, I just went and did a search on Amazon. If you like synchronicity, then what book would you get? And I ended up pulling up sync book one and two. So I ordered those and I'm reading them every day, day in, day out, and not trying to hit the websites. As I see the websites, I'm like, this is that's going to take me too deep. I don't have time. <laughs> no. And so, so I would go through it and I didn't want to know about it. I was like, I knew there was a radio show out there. I'm like, and then also another thing was, how long can these guys really talk about synchronicity? So how much is there to be said? And is that really going to work? Or you can keep on reading these two thick books and somehow still find interesting things. Well, I did over and over. And then I started listening to 42 Minutes and couldn't get enough because you know I'll play anything in the background while I'm working on other stuff. And that was just a great period in my life whenever I discovered synchromysticism because I'd never heard the term and didn't know there were other people out there that were as fascinated as me, you know? So I dove right in wholeheartedly and, um, it's, it, uh, you know, there's no turning back. It's awesome. And it's nice meeting you guys to talk about it, you know? <laughs> well, that's 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. We appreciate it. Michael. Uh, you've been listening to Michael Allen on SyncBook Radio, a production of thesyncbook.com. More information about the work of Mr. Allen can be found on his website, project-ions.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure to visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like the podcast, please support it. Become a donor. You'll find the donation links under each episode on the website. Consider setting up a monthly charge. Thanks so much. See you on the other side, Tommy.
that went really fast. That was great, man. Like I say, I've listened. I've been listening to you guys for the past year. And right now, I've I haven't been on it over the past few months because I've been really busy. But for a long time there, I had you guys on in the background every day, and I got to say, I appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate it, man. I just want to see the ionosphere. I just want that thing on my head. Just... <laughs> uh-huh. Tell me when you come to LA. I wish I could bring it to Sing Summit. I would. Well, we'll have other sync summits. There's no doubt. It just makes sense. It's like it's like you know, radio eight ball on your noggin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm down. Like I know, I know for a fact that the people who understand this and who get it generate it. I've already practiced this. It works, and I think the more people we get in the setting, like the more fucking oomph it pulls. So I'm down. I'm With ready the for Burning it. Man, do you have to be part of an outfit to get your ticket? No. So you get your ticket and then you just you're out there and then you can go. How do you and, get part of a like? It seems like you have to be part of a crew to make it work. No, because they are handing it out to everyone else. So we're a part of a crew, but we're there for all the people that aren't a part of the crew or okay. whoever else. But so like that's and, what I'm thinking is like what if what if there was a sink? It would be a hit. <laughs> it a would. sink burning man a, sink, a, we're a gonna camp. do sinking man sink camp man sink camp would be <laughs> no, awesome sink camp <laughs> like yeah, space dude. camp sink camp going to sink camp man I, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be there I'd be there all the time man <laughs> well right cause I know David and Wilner are both burners yeah it would it's, be a lot of fun. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't mix. Maybe cause oh, it like, would, no, it would mix for sure. There's no doubt. Because we've been doing sink cabins every year for like three or four years, well, and what happens is you just get around people that speak the same language you as you, and then you're in person with them, and it's so intense and incredible and so real. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that I mean. Whenever I was doing the ionosphere experiment, there was a lady that was she was she, I have no idea how old she was, but she was a wrinkled old lady out there in the desert playing with glow sticks and dancing around like a 16-year-old. And she was talking to me about she said that she was a professor at a school somewhere here on the West Coast and that her and her colleagues were trying to figure out a she was like, "You know what you're talking about? It's very real. What you're talking about here is a real realistic concept and you're, you're making light of it, and that's great, but there's something that you're playing with here, and we're trying to figure out a language for it because we're not able to talk about it because it doesn't have words to describe it. And this was coming from this from this awesome lady that walked up and put her head in my globe out there that was probably like 60 years old, somehow pulled herself 60, 70, 80 years old, however old she was. She was an old grandma out there dancing around in the desert. And she's sleeping in a tent in a sleeping bag. And it's was, 130 degrees at, in the day and 30 degrees at night. Mushrooms, dude. <laughs> that lady was serious, man. No, but she's straight up though. It's like <laughs> was, intergalactic, man. What we're messing amazing. around with is cosmic. What we're messing around with is like and we 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 put it on a plat we put it on a platter of joke, you know. But there's like we're messing around with like planets and shit here. It's it's huge, and like I say, I, th- I feel like you guys, you're uh, the amount of people that you see all the different angles of it. You talk to all kinds of people, whether it's the conspiracy people or the alien people or the scientists or the authors, and um, all of it is dealing with something that I feel like has been misunderstood by the whole human race 
<laughs> it's like every one of us misunderstands what's going on here. Because it's, it's so obvious. Yeah, no, it's really happening. It's really there. But not when you're talking to someone who doesn't believe that. <laughs> and so it's really cool when you're talking to people who do, because that makes it seem that much more real. <laughs> well, well I've, I've been interested in you ever since I heard your first interview, so I'm very glad that we got to talk to you tonight, man. It was, it's a it's blast listening to you talk, and I like seeing you on social Does media. Does he remind like you, his voice, of Kevin Halcott's a little bit? No. Really? It's, it's maybe his voice, but it's a different personality for sure. Oh, it's I don't know. Somebody like, else called me another one. Like last time, whenever I was on the on it, somebody was sending. They sent me a message that said, "You sound." I think it was Sonic Etchison. Is that how you say yeah, the name? Okay. He he was saying you sounded just like this person who was in a band that was on Forty Two Minutes the week before that, and I pulled it up and I did. My voice sounded like that person. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever it was that he sent me the email saying, "Hey, man." Your voice sounds just like this person. I wouldn't listen to it. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I swear we're not the same person. <laughs> right, like, but the paranoid people will think it's all a production. Like, <laughs> it's all CIA mind it's games. We just actor. have the same actor on the week. Got like on the Simpsons, whatever. The same guy does the voices for Mo and the. the <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're fucking with my head. <laughs> uh, I gotta call it a night, homies. Look, man, Michael, I dig you, dude. I can't wait to yeah, see you at a sync summit, man. I want to put this shit yeah. on my head. <laughs> I can't wait. And yeah, we thank you so much for what you guys do. It's really I appreciate it, and I hope that it continues to grow. Hope it continues to grow and get bigger because within the sync community, I see people kind of just in my past year and a half of. Being around you guys, it seems like I see people come and go because you, you kind of go crazy with it after a little bit. It does. I think – and I initially went through that. It was – it's we really heavy. Do. Yeah. But I think hopefully what the show is doing now is normalizing it. Like we we need to stay grounded. I need to stay grounded. Yep. But at the same time, I'm okay with it. It's not It's not crazy. You know, we, yes. we've, we've touched all the different facets of it, scientific – you know, and they're just as nuts. Mm -hmm. They're just mm -hmm. as nuts. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. More so because they think they're so right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you guys stay in touch with me, and uh, let's do this again sometime. That'd be Betcha. awesome. Betcha, yeah. Yes, sir. All right. You take care. Thanks Thank for you, having bro. me. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I've seriously felt my scalp growing the whole time. Like, Man. Cool. There was some energy here, man. There's some, there's some deep-rooted stuff that we haven't taken care of fully yet. So we'll talk to you again. Well, that's awesome to hear because the whole time I was listening, I was like, man, I got stuff I want to say to these guys too. <laughs> <laughs> Much love, brother. <laughs> All right, I'll see y'all later. Peace out. Bye. Yeah.